And Kim says, do I have to sing again now? And the answer is yes. Let's stand together as we sing. As we begin to sing this first song choir, I'll let you come into the congregation as we begin.
Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. He's worthy of all our praise. So how many of you got an email this week with a new song on it? I see that hand. I see that hand. I feel like an evangelist. I see that hand. In just a moment, we're going to extend the invitation. No, we're not going to do it yet. And I was thinking about this song. This song, I found this song that just means a lot to me because Christ is mine forevermore. And it doesn't matter what my situation. It doesn't matter what I'm going to walk into this afternoon or what I'm going to see tomorrow. He has already given me the tools to conquer all of that. He's my deliverer. He is my supplier of every need. This song talks about. Thank you. 
as you're being seated after hearing this wonderful new hymn, will you just tell the Lord you love him today as you're seated? Amen. Thank you so much, Scott. God bless you. Did you enjoy the music today? Amen. Amen. And amen. So good to see each of you. Hope you've had a good week and uh, it's a joy to see you today. And especially to see Miss Betty Dillard sitting up in the back. Did you bring some fudge today? You, you did? Oh, you didn't. Oh, my soul. Sorry for that. Just a, a precious lady that's just been a, a dear, dear part of our life ever since uh, the year 2000. And uh, the Lord's sending us to, to Rocky Creek in Greenville. It's so good to see you today. It's good to see all of you. Amen. Matter of fact, look to the person to your left or right and say these words. You are the best looking person I've seen all day. Well, amen. All right. <laughs> I don't know what that says about you, but, uh, but it is good to see you. It's so good to see you. I want you to know you've been prayed for this week and uh, been just basking in prayer about this service and just unpacking truth again out of 1 Kings chapter 17. So I'm going to ask you if you have a copy of Scripture, whether it's like mine and, and I still like the paper, but it's okay if you use a device. I'm certainly fine with that. Someone asked me years ago, what is the best translation of the Bible? And here was my response, the one you'll read. Amen. So, so whatever, whatever translation you got, whatever method that you want to use, as long as you got the word, I want you to open it up to 1 Kings chapter 17. And this morning, we're going to begin reading in verse 17 through the end of the chapter. And I promise you this, today is the last day I'm going to preach out this chapter, all right? We're going to finish it up today. And, uh, and then I'll go ahead and tell you next week, I, I think the Lord has laid on my heart. We're going to go a little bit forward. And so we've been at the brook at Cherith. We've been at Sidon. And now we're kind of here at this lady, this widow's home. And God's going to do another work there. But ultimately, God is doing all of this to prepare Elijah for Mount Carmel. And so next Sunday morning, I want to preach about what did God do at Mount Carmel through his instrument of grace named Elijah. And so we're going to look at that next week. But if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, I'm going to read this text. Now, beginning next Sunday, I'm going to try a couple things. All right? So next Sunday, I'm going to have on the screen, uh, I, I got something I want you to say with me every single week. Okay, and I've been kind of kind of patient. I kind of wanted you to get to know me a little bit before I start getting a little bit too crazy. All right. And uh, but there's some things I want to do. And so one uh, beginning next week, I want us to stand as we read the scripture together. Okay, you okay with that? So I want us to stand as we read the scripture together. And before we even read the scripture, I'm going to lead. I'm going to teach you something. Here's what it is. I'll give you a, a practice run, all right? And so every, every, every Sunday that we meet, whether you've got a device or whether you've got a Bible like this, I'm going to ask you to hold it up and I'm going to ask you to say these words. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Now, it'll be on the screen and we'll read it together. And in a few weeks, guess what? You'll know it from memory. But I want you to know, I believe every word that I just said. This is the Bible. 
It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing word. And we need to hear out of this word today. Amen? And so, so even now, would you begin to pray, God, I want you to speak to me through your word today. All right, and uh, in a few weeks, I'm going to unpack some some prayer strategy for us because I want you to pray. This is a season in which we got to pray a lot, church. Amen. We're praying that God prepares us. We're praying that God would prepare your next pastor, and so that's not going to happen in the absence of prayer. And so we've got to, We've got to wrap up the urgency and the awareness of praying together. And, and we're going we're gonna to help you with that, okay? Just kind of give you a guide to help you think through that. But I want you to be praying. And I also want you to keep in the back of your mind that the next Sacrifice Sunday is going to be in the month of May. All right? And if I could cast a little vision this morning, just a little bit, here's what I would say. I would love that day to be the day that we could just retire the rest of the debt. Okay? That, that could happen, right? That, that could happen. Amen. So, so think about this. I mean, I don't like debt. You don't like debt. Amen. And so, so debt can be, it's not, it's not wrong to borrow money. It's just wrong when you can't pay it back. <laughs> okay? Uh, that's the issue, right? That's the issue. But you've been able to do that. And you, you've, you, you, you've done so well. And, and that we say, amen, thank you, Jesus. How that he, He's been so good and you've been so faithful in your giving. But, but it would be awesome that in this transitional period, in this transitional season, for all that debt just to be relieved. Can you imagine how, how wonderful that would be for your next pastor to come in and not have to worry about debt? Right? And think how good that's going to be as a church to take all the monies that you've been using and then there's going to be other opportunities and other kingdom investments that you're going to be able to put even more resources to. And so we can watch the gospel explode. Just, I mean, there, there's all kind of things that God's going to do, right? Do you really believe that? Man, I'm believing it for you. Come on now, believe it for yourself, Amen. And so, so just imagine what could happen. Just imagine kind of the partnerships that you could build in kingdom walk and in kingdom life. And, you know, you, when you start doing that, there, God will do so many things you'll never be able to know this side of heaven what he does. And only heaven is going to reveal really all the internal investments that you're going to make. And so, so my soul, that's a, I'm, I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm telling you, they, there's nothing here that I really want. I, I almost changed my message right then, but I'm not. All right. All right, listen to this passage. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened 
to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him into to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Father, today we thank you and bless you for how good you really are. Lord, you've given us health and strength to be able to assemble in this building today. And God, we thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the the hour of Sunday school. God, thank you for the time that we have to worship you. And God, thank you for just the, the time of worship through music today. Lord, how encouraging that was. And what a blessing. Lord, my my soul has been lifted up. And I thank you for that. And Lord, now we want to worship you, God, through the preaching of your word. And God, I'm asking you to just arrest our hearts, our minds. God, it's so easy for our minds to drift in so many places. But God, today, would you speak so loud and so clearly today that God, our hearts would be steadfast upon you. And that God, whatever you want to teach us, to show us, God, a fresh work of grace that you want to do within us today. God, that you will do it. You will accomplish it. And Lord, for whatever you do today, we'll give you praise. We'll give you honor. And we will give you glory for it all. For it all belongs to you. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've noticed in the reading of the text today, today is another faith crisis in this passage. It started with a dry stream. God began to teach Elijah some things in the dry stream in verse 7. Verse 8, he tells him to arise and go to Zarephath, the Sidon, that he's prepared a widow lady that's going to meet his every need and sustain him there. He gets up, he makes his way there, and sure enough, there she is. And then he discovers that she is distressed. And so sometimes God allows us to go through a dry stream because he knows he's teaching us and preparing us to minister to a distressed saint. But it doesn't stop there. In this passage today, it goes from dry stream, distressed saint, to a dead son. You may be here this morning, you're thinking, what in the world did Elijah do wrong for all this to happen? I mean, Ken, is he being punished? And there's nowhere in the text that we see that God is punishing Elijah for an act of disobedience. Church, I believe it's the exact opposite. I think what you have in the text is is step after step after step. Elijah does what he does because he knows it's the will of God. That God has confirmed each step through his word. And so this is not a man being corrected by God. This is a man being perfected by God. 
God's doing this master work of grace in him, teaching him, growing him, preparing him for what's coming down the road. Every one of us in this room, you, you may have gone through some kind of hardship in your life. Matter of fact, maybe you're going through a, a strong difficulty even now. And, and you know what? If we're not careful, the first thing we think of is, Lord, what did I do wrong? Lord, are you upset with me? God, what have I done wrong? And the truth may be this. Maybe you've done everything right. It's not that God is mad or upset at anybody. It's just the fact that God's doing what he does. Listen, you will never know he's the lily of the valley unless you go through the valley. You will never know he's the bright and morning star unless you experience some dark days. One of my favorite guys to read is A.W. Tozer. Love to read Tozer. And on one occasion, Tozer made this statement. It is doubtful whether God will ever use a man greatly until he first hurts that man deeply. So sometimes God works in ways that you and I may never understand, but it's not correction. It is perfection. God is continually preparing Elijah, and he's doing the same in me and you. He's doing the same at Poplar Springs. Maybe you already know this. Sometimes the Lord calms the storms, and at other times he lets the storm rage, and he just calms the child. Manly Beasley said, faith doesn't always take you out of the storm. Faith calms you in the storm. So the first thing that I want you to see this morning is this. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. See, God is doing a master work here. And every step along the way, he's preparing Elijah for something else. And God knows that, that he's got to pass the test of faith. Again, are you sure? Maybe that's just an Old Testament principle. Do you, do you see that same principle in the New Testament? I sure do. Glad you asked that question. James chapter 1. Listen to this. I'll begin reading in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Did you hear that? So sometimes God will give us that test of faith. Why? Because a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Church, I want you to understand even in difficult days, don't see that as God's discipline as much as an instrument of His grace. Does the thought ever come to you that because you're in a faith crisis that God somehow loves you less? Could it be that somehow we've gotten mixed up to think that God's goal in His sovereignty is to make us happy? You want God to make your schedule perfect all the time? Perfect house, perfect wife, perfect husband, perfect kids, perfect church, perfect pastor, perfect, 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 perfect. I hate to burst a bubble today, but God didn't die to make you happy. God died in order that we would be holy. And so the work that God is doing is a, a work of holiness. God, God, God is working, and, and, and the Bible doesn't offer you your best life now, but He does offer Himself. 
Now, I'm going to go in some deep weeds right here. Some of you may get it. If you don't, then it's okay. But I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to make a statement. You ready? The only life that God will ever be pleased with is his own life. And so the work of every trial is for you and I to come through that various trial looking more and more like Jesus. And the work that he does stems from God's love and his grace. He is not distant. He is not uncaring. But he is ever present. And he loves you so much that he died for your greatest need. And that was your sin. And whatever other circumstances in your life right now, he's in charge of that. And hey, he says, you are more than a conqueror. Right? How many of you slept? Like, anybody get a like, did not sleep last night? I didn't. For whatever reason, last night was one of those nights I tossed and turned. And about every hour, every 45 minutes, I would huff. And Pat would say, boy, you just huffed all night. I don't know what it was. I, I, I mean, I, well, this, there's a lot of things going on. And my parents, my parents are aging. We're having my sister and I are meeting today. And we're having to make some hard decisions with long-term care. Never been down that road. And so I know that's kind of weighing heavy on me a little bit. But here's what I know. Did anybody last night sleep under your mattress? Okay, one person. No, I'm just kidding, all right, all right? Just one. No, you slept on top of your mattress, right? Which makes perfect sense. And listen, when, when you understand that God loves you, He hasn't forsaken you, He is here, He's allowed that difficulty in trial. Why? Because He's perfecting your faith, making you look more like Jesus. And you can grasp a hold of this today. I don't have to live under the circumstance. I can live above the circumstance because He has made me more than a conqueror. So a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. But if God can test your faith, He can trust you. And the next assignment is going to bring you great joy and Him more glory. But you've got to go through it, right? You've got to go through the test. You may have heard about this young pastor. was so discouraged. A lady met him in the back of the church one day, back of the church, front of the church, whatever you call that back there. And she said, I just want you to know I didn't vote for you when you come. And the greatest day of my life is when we vote you out of here as our pastor. What just broke his heart? Couldn't believe a lady in church would say something like that, Scott. And so he went home and called his dad, who'd been a pastor for like 50 plus years. And he said, son, just stop it. Get on your knees. You're going to pray three prayers right now. He dropped to his knees, Mark. And he said, number one, you pray and you thank God that you're saved. So he did. Lord, I just want to thank you that I'm saved. He said, now you pray and thank God that he called you to preach the gospel. And he did. Lord, thank you that you preached and, you know, that you've called me to preach the gospel. And he said, number three, you pray and thank God that woman's not your wife. All right. <laughs> and say, Ken, why would you tell us that? Because I don't want you to lose the joy. All of us are going to go through some things that are painful, and we might as well go ahead and call it what it is. Sometimes God's master work is painful. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that he's not faithful 
and true. And I hope you've noticed this, that throughout this text, every trial, Elijah goes to where you and I need to go with every trial. He goes to Jesus. He, he, so in the text, he, he gets up one day and things are going pretty good. And all of a sudden, he realizes this boy has died. And the mom says, is the only reason you came to my house is to call my sin to judgment? What have you against me, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? And he said this, give me your son. That's a powerful statement. And what you see in the text is she, she immediately surrenders the, the, the corpse of this lifeless boy and gives it to the man of God. Second thing I want you to see this morning is this. God's blessings will come to those who obediently surrender everything to Him. This is an incredible, tangible evidence of this lady's faith. To me, she represents the guy in the New Testament that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So one minute she says, have you just come here just to bring judgment to my house and to me? And then in the next moment, he says, well, give me your boy. And what does she do? Boom, she gives him the son. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone through an experience quite like that. But let's just imagine how hard would it be for that one? She's got nothing left, right? Her son has no breath in his body. And the man of God says, give him to me. And instantly she just, she yields to what he said. So here's Elijah and he's taking responsibility for this boy. She could do nothing. But there's this, there's this mustard seed of faith that God really could do the impossible Many of you drove today and, well, you're here, so I guess you did drive, right? I mean, some of you could have walked, but, but most of you probably drove. And so we, we're coming down the interstate and, you know, to get on and off. There's this yellow looking sign and some of them are not yellow. There are other colors now, but it says why? It says what? Yield. So I yield, which means I, I give way. I am surrendering myself to someone else on the road. I'm giving them preference over me. You understand that's what's going on here. In this whole chapter, there's just been one yielding moment after the other. One surrender after the other. And here is this beautiful picture of surrender Jim Elliott once said, one does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. Oh, church, don't miss this. There will always be a process of yielding ourselves of all that we know about ourselves to all that we know about God. And if you feel like God is pulling out all the props from under you, well, he may be. But his goal is not to hurt you. His goal is that you would lean upon him. That you would lean so hard that your one and only treasure would be Jesus himself. It's the last song that we sang today, friend. That Jesus would be your forever treasure. 
while it's painful, we can be assured that it stems from his love. The real test of surrender is not just obeying the commands that I like. Now, there's some commands that I like in the Bible. Amen? That's right. Wives, respect your husband. Amen. (laughs) Now, don't send me any emails, ladies, on that one, all right? Just an illustration. But as a parent, let's just say the only thing I ever asked my kids, the only command I ever gave my eight kids would be this. Eat all your ice cream. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there any way to know if my kids really trust me and obey me if the only thing I ever tell them is to eat all your ice cream? You with me? There's a lot of commands in the Bible I love, and they are easy. And there are a lot in there that mess me up. Right? They're hard. And the true test of surrender is am I willing to do whatever God says even when I don't understand? I'll show you something else real quick. God's not, th- I mean, Elijah's not thinking about himself right now. The only thing he's occupied with is this, the need of this grieving mother. And maybe for some of us in this room today, the surest and quickest way that you have to have your own need met is to stop worrying about your own needs and, 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 and find yourself under the burden of someone else to be sure that they are taken care of. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And in that moment, Elijah became a burden bearer, a load lifter. You see, that's why, that's why we need each other in the church. Matter of fact, I, I hope you'll do this. I want you to look around today, and if you see somebody that's not here, I want you to go home and just call them up and say, hey, we just missed you today, checking on you. That's a lost art in a lot of churches today. It's like everybody comes in, they check off what they did, and they go home. And there's never really any real depth of spiritual community and body life. And one of the greatest things you can do is not worry so much about your own needs, but make sure one of your chief priorities is meeting the needs of others. It's amazing. All of a sudden, you realize your life isn't so bad. So Elijah... Elijah wasn't so concerned about himself in that moment. He's concerned about this widow. He's concerned about this grieving mom. The last thing I'll say is this. It is faith that puts super in your natural and extra in your ordinary. A faith that honors God is a faith that is honored by God. And this is true all throughout the scriptures. Listen, I just, I just jotted a few things phrases from Jesus this morning. According to your faith, be it done to you. Oh woman, great is your faith. Your faith has made you well. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Have faith in God. Do you want to know what moves the hand of God? Do you want to know what made God listen to Elijah's prayer, it wasn't what he prayed. It was his faith. 
You see, God is not affected by sympathy. God is not affected by bargaining. Any of you ever tried to bargain with God? God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. God, if you answer this prayer, boy, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Anybody here ever bargained with God? And you found out God doesn't bargain with anybody. You know what moves the heart of God? Faith. Faith. God moves in accordance to your faith. God honors faith. Now, I've preached the principle in the previous two messages. I'm going to hit it one more time. Because for some of us, it's going to take three shots to get it. Faith has three elements. Intellect, feeling, emotion, and volition. So let's say that all of us, after the service day, we're going to hop in our cars and we're going to drive over. We're going to head toward Greer off 85. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pull off 85, Highway 14 exit. And we're all going to drive up to the Greenville-Spartanburg Airport. It's international now, baby. It's not Jetport. It's, it's international, amen? It's international. And so we're going to go up to the counter and we say, hey, they got a flight to Orlando. If we're going to go somewhere, let's go somewhere warm, amen? Let's get some heat. See some pretty sights. So we say, we're gonna, we'd like to purchase a ticket to go to Orlando, Florida. Why? Because you've got a plane that about an hour is going to leave for Orlando, Florida. And so intellectually, I can put two and two together and have enough faith that intellectually, I will make a reservation and buy the ticket. That's intellectual faith. There is a plane. And I believe that plane can take me to Orlando. Now, let's just suppose I really do want to go to Orlando because I know what's in Orlando. Anybody here, can anybody read my mind? What do you think I would love to go do in Orlando? Huh? Disney, you got that right. I would ride every ride. I am that guy on the front car. No hands, baby. No hands. Woo! That is me. I love life and I love a rush. I jumped out of a plane one time, 13,500 feet, dropped at 125 miles an hour. Woo! What a rush! I've got to go drive NASCAR. Been, been at Lowe's Motor Speedway and got to drive eight or nine laps and got up to 165 miles an hour. Now, some of you probably going faster than that on dirt roads out here. But for me, that's the fastest I've ever been in a car. Man, what a rush. So, yeah, let's go to Disney World. Let's ride every ride. Let's have a blast because I really would like to go. Now, what have I just expressed? I've expressed emotional faith. I know that plane's real. I know it can fly. And it can take me where I want to go. But an hour later, I'm standing in the terminal. You with me? This is the last border call. 
all passengers. See, I would never be the, you know, gold standard, presidential standard, mm-mm, country bumpkin standard. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a redneck. Put me on the back of the plane, all right? I don't give a rip. So a couple more hours go by. I mean, you, 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 do y'all see where I'm going with this? I can believe the plane can fly. I believe it can take me to Orlando, Florida. I can want to go to Orlando, Florida. But the only faith that matters is what? The volitional faith that tells me to do what? Get on the plane. Because until I get on the plane and say, okay, plane, I believe you're going to take me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hop in that seat. I'm going to buckle that bad boy up. See, for many of us in this room, that's your problem. You're standing on the terminal. Wishing. You sing blessed assurance, but you might as well strike that out because what you really mean is blessed hope. I hope the Lord would. I wish the Lord would. I want you to sit up really close for a second. Who is it in this room that God is saying, Today is the day I need you to believe? And trust in me. And I need that trust to be one that yields your will to my word. To trust, to act. You see, that's what, that's what happens here. The widow gives her son. It's an act. Elijah takes the son. It's an act. He takes him up to his, his chamber. The Bible says he stretches over him. And in my sanctified imagination, he says, this is what I see. I see him stretched out like a cross. And the Bible says three times he prays, God, give this boy back his life. Three times he prays in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Church, I'm telling you, Jesus is enough. He's enough. Quit standing on the terminal. Quit wishing. It's time to get on with it. It's time to go. It's time to hear the voice of God and say, Here I am. Private first class. I'm here. I'm accounted for. Let's go, Jesus. Let's go. And whatever it is, you are faithful to it. Oh, my soul, my soul, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass as flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
when He has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love Him. Failure is never final. Suffering is never for nothing. Many of you are obedient and it's not that God's correcting you. God is perfecting you. And He's wanting you to look more like Jesus. And if you will continue to remain faithful and trust Him and walk by faith, God says He will give you a crown of life. Now let me just ask you something really quick. And I know i got to go. My time is gone, gone, gone. But what born again child of God in their right mind would not want the crown of life? Right? By faith. And so today, as I've done the last two weeks, maybe there's somebody here and you don't have the hope of eternal life. If you were to die today, you would not go to heaven. You might want to think so, hope so, wish so. You want to tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says it's a no-so salvation. And if you will come and give your life to Jesus, you can know for certain that you have eternal life. Maybe there's somebody here today and you've just been bewildered. Your emotions have just run ragged. And you don't know if you are coming or going. And you are constantly wondering, what have you done? Does God love me? He's forsaken me. And my church family don't love me anymore. Nobody. What if it's just God trying to perfect you? What if it's God's way of making you look more like Jesus? I think there's some of us here today need to say, Jesus, I've been standing (laughs) with my ticket, but I'm in the terminal. And today I'm going to get on the plane. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I can't tell you how many times we've had our backs against the wall. We were listening to some music riding in today and one of the songs, it seemed like most every song we heard was about the sovereignty of God. It was crazy. Didn't matter where we hit and I, I, I thought about a time where we, we did make a bad decision with some finances. We had to pull, we had family powwow. We had to pull the kids in. I don't know if y'all ever had to do anything like this or not, but we pulled the kids in. We told them exactly what happened. We confessed up to it, on to it, because it's going it's, to, listen, our decision is going to cost you too. And we had no idea how in the world that was going to work. And I'm telling you, but we trusted God. And said, God, by faith, we're just acknowledging we messed that up and we're going to trust you. Whatever you say to do is what we're going to do. And God gave us a plan and we just started, we joined him in the plan. We got on the plane and in no time, in no time, I'm talking God gave us an Ephesians 3.20 blessing. You know what that verse says? Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask. I'm just telling you, trust him. Lord, today, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. 
And God, I believe that you are trying to take us deep in the area of faith here at Popper Springs. And God, I'm asking you today, God, just even as we have this song of invitation and song of commitment, that God, you would speak to us, that you would draw us to your heart. God, if there is someone here today that's never trusted you, I pray, God, they would come. Lord, and God, give us the opportunity to, to share with them the gospel. Lord, maybe there's some, some folks here today that have just struggled and struggled, and today they just don't want to struggle anymore. And God, they're willing to take you at your word. And God, maybe they just need to come and pray to seek your face. God, maybe they just need to build an altar right there where they're standing. God, all that really matters is that we just obey you according to faith. And so, Lord, we give this time to you. Take it, use it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Let's stand together as we sing. Trust him.
Do you mean that? Wherever he leads, I'll go. You know, Vance Havner said, we tell more lies behind a hymnal than probably anywhere else. Let's not do that. When we sing it, let's mean it. Or let's not sing it. Today as you leave, I want to make you aware of some things. Uh, Brother Joey and his bride are going to go even now to the uh, welcome desk. And they're going to be there. If you are new with us, visiting with us for the first time, we're so glad. You know, you could have been anywhere today, but you chose to be here in the presence of the Lord and with us. And we're just grateful. And if you would see those folks out there, they'd be glad to give you some information and talk to you about us. Joey teaches a PS 101 class to tell you all about us. In fact, you may learn more than you even wanted to know, but it's okay. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Don't forget our Wednesday night programming. There's, I think, sign-up sheets for the um, Wednesday night meal, and that Wednesday nights are going great. Don't miss it. Come connect be a part of that. As you're leaving, there'll be men there to receive your offerings. And also on the, in the black boxes as you're going through the portico, you can leave them there if you're more comfortable. Hey, listen, before we leave today, I am so thankful also that um, Hillary Williams is sitting right down there. And we are so glad to see her today. <laughs> Amen. She's, she's been through a battle and she's still in the battle, but God is good and God knows all about it. He's still, he's still got you. He's still got you. Um, you may want to speak to her before she leaves today. Also, Craig, I don't know, I don't remember if I mentioned you last week or not, but Craig Causa here, he's a friend of ours. I think I don't want you to think that the preacher's the only one that's got a friend. So uh, this is my only one, but uh, that I have this one. And uh, Craig used to be in our choir over in Gaffney, and now he lives over towards Anderson and. He's been going all the way back to Gaffney to church. And last week he just showed up here. And I said, we can cut your drive time in two. So he's back and brought a friend today. And Randy, we're glad to see you too. So glad to have you with us. Let's pray together. We'll be dismissed today. Lord, thank you that we're here. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that we have joined our hearts together in worship today. And you were honored in it and you have spoken today through your servant. Lord, I pray that every time we come into this place, that it will be that, that we will honor you in worship and that we'll hear your voice. So Lord, thank you for our day. Thank you for all who have come. I pray that as we go this, our ways today, that you will give us peace and traveling mercies. Lord, thank you for those who visited with us today. Thank you for Hillary being here. I pray you'll just bless her abundantly and heal her body. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.